0: Welcome to this edition of When the Biomass Hits the Wind Turbine, a discussion of sustainable living and what that means to you and me. I'm Jay Warmke.
1: And I'm Annie Warmke. And
0: today we're going to talk about alternatives to money or how can I be broke? I still have some checks left.
1: Wow. They must be related to my mother.
0: Uh Uh-huh. Well, (laughs) you know, it's funny. That just always reminds me because my uncle, he had this idea that... Somehow there was a disconnect between the ATM machine and his account. So when he put his card into the ATM machine and took money out, he never realized it actually came out of his account. He just thought he was getting money.
1: Was he from Minnesota?
0: Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. He was from Minnesota. <laughs>
1: okay, one of uh-huh. those Norwegian farmers. Well, there's
0: long, cold winters that freeze brain cells, apparently. Okay, so. I guess. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well,
1: so So there's a lot of things to talk about when we consider um, how we could move away from, from the use of actual money, like paper money. Mm-hmm. Um, first of all, it's, this is all rooted in the idea that the uh, GDP or the gross domestic product is all about money. It's all about those dollar figures. It's not rooted in how many trees do we have, how many healthy kids, um, how much beautiful land. Right. And there's a famous
0: speech by Robert Kennedy. You should look it up on the Internet if you haven't already about how we measure. And when you measure GDP, cancer is a positive yeah. to GDP. Bombing people? Bombing people, yes, all this destruction, all of these illnesses, all of those create economic activity, but the smile of a child is not measured, you know, the smell yeah. of fresh air is yeah. not measured. So so that gets you into your happiness factor. But but I want to back up a little bit here because I have this thing in my brain that never seems to connect with other people which is a longer program in and of itself, but it has to do with money. I mean, money is such a strange concept. I mean, what, well, yeah. is, I mean, what even, is money?
1: Well, when I was a kid, well, I was just about to explain that okay. when you interrupt, but that's all yeah, right. We'll go there. Right. Uh, I <laughs> <laughs> Give me that look. Um, when I was, I would say all my life, especially as a little kid, because I used to hear my parents argue about money mm-hmm. in, in, in the night. And I would think money makes no sense to me, right. because it seems like, and I still feel this way about it, is that if you do something, you know, you're trading a skill or a, a, something you have, and that makes sense to me that it would represent the an equal something on the other side that actually is tangible and a piece of paper that says it has. Some value makes no. It made no sense to me as a kid, and it still doesn't make sense. So if I have a skill set, and I say I'll trade that to you for some groceries or gasoline or whatever of an equal value, that that makes perfect sense to me.
0: Okay, but it's it, it, that gets to the heart of it. Money is like an IOU, right? It says, "Okay, you did this thing. You gave me this thing. Here's a piece of paper that says." In the future, I will give you something of comparable value when you decide you want it, whatever it happens to be. And money is a convenient way of essentially giving people IOUs. But it doesn't
1: have any value. No,
0: it doesn't. It just the only value it has is your faith that when you turn it in, you're going to get something of value from it. Once that faith disappears – the money has no value.
1: Yeah, well, it doesn't make sense to my brain.
0: Well, and when you were saying your parents argued about money, my, my dad was an economics professor. And he, to him, I think money was more of an intellectual exercise. So there was never any argument about it. But I remember as a kid asking about money, and he explained it saying there's an island in the middle of an ocean and it has no rocks. So rocks are the things that people value. And the richest family on the island own a huge boulder that is under the ocean that no one has ever seen. Okay, you're, you're proving ex- my point. You're I know absolutely that's that's such a bizarre. Point. But so money basically is nothing.
1: Okay. So back to how it's measured. The gross <laughs> Let's domestic, measure nothing. <laughs> that's right. Gross domestic product. It simply means more money changing hands. And so right. what the what our government wants and most governments are working towards are increasing the GDP. They want every year for it to have been increased. And I'm thinking, why? It did fine. Anyway, so it's also it's also sorry I just get excited. It's also <laughs> a fairly inadequate measure of human progress because as we just said, uh if we were measuring the health of people, the happiness of people, the ability to have meaningful work and safe environment and all the things that really matter in life, then we wouldn't be including this any of this, really, I don't think. And politicians of most countries now agree that new measures would be useful, and there is a growing community of professionals who seek to audit various aspects of happiness and well-being, and there are actually some countries that have created um, the happiness factor, the measurement of happiness and um, contentment um, as their gross national product. And I think that's really valuable. And when we were discussing this this morning, the one thing that came to me very clearly is that this is the root of everything that I believe has to change.
0: Money is the root of all evil. Yes, no, the love of money
1: is the root of all evil. So yes, and the falsehood of it. Well, before we get away, uh, I'm not uh, finished with what I was about to say. And that is that if I if I don't believe (laughs) that it can change. That we can change and that humans can do better, it would be impossible to go on.
0: Okay. Well, what I was going to say, when we're talking about the ethereal nature of money, um, you know, we were saying, you're saying ethereal, meaning that it it doesn't exist. Um, You were saying how you could never understand that this piece of paper represented anything of value. I find it very interesting that in the United States anyway, only about 3% of all of our money is actually even printed on a piece of paper. 97% of all of the wealth, all the money that changes hands, are simply zeros and ones in some computer system. Right. They do not actually have physical presence, even in the form of a piece of paper. And of that 3% that's printed, more than 50% of that is gone. It's overseas. It It's yeah. being hoarded by who knows? Like places whom. in Africa
1: and China and stuff where they want to spend American dollars, or
0: or they're just holding on to them in case for the zombie apocalypse or whatever.
1: Okay, well we'll go for that.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay, so we've made we've made the point the money doesn't exist, and you think it must change, otherwise our existence is pointless. Besides that, <laughs> what's the problem with money?
1: <laughs> well, the other thing is that. Um, it's the only way we've chosen to handle things because right. of this gross uh, domestic uh, mm-hmm. product as our only source of measurement. But, so
0: But the this program is about alternatives. So what are some of the alternatives okay, that are Okay, so there's to something up? called
1: positive money out of the UK and that has kind of morphed into in the US something called the Alliance for Just Money. And so this is all part of a global global movement that challenges the current money system. And the aim of that is that money be creation-free of debt by some kind of public institution. So there's no debt backing up the money. Okay. And because that makes the money useless. It's just a matter of saying how many dollar signs, as you just said. So the alliance— uh,
0: All right. We'll oh, 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 back up a bit. I'm—, I'm Confused? Basically, you're saying if I make money with no debt against it, am I not just simply printing paper? Which is what the argument of a lot of people make about our system.
1: Okay, I'm. I, but I think what it really means is saying that it has to be backed up by, by something. Okay. Not the way it's done now. Yeah. That's so you're what just not saying. a
0: vague promise you're going to no, pay that, back. That they're that you're pretending never
1: well. that it's over there and that that right. debt is there, but it doesn't really exist. But it is your debt. It is your mm-hmm. debt as a person.
0: So you're saying, I'm gonna pledge this cow against that money.
1: Yeah, so there's something tangible. There's mm-hmm. totally, so that's reliable. It's something to base on. So uh, the Alliance for Just Money says, we believe that monetary reform is key to solving many problems, that have plagued society, and we believe that this system contributes to environmental degradation, overtaxation, needless poverty, regional and global conflicts, and many other issues that have a direct impact on people's lives. Mm -hmm. And also that the current system has created many straw man arguments because of the false scarcity of money that our current system promotes. So their goal as the alliance is to increase public awareness of these issues and create the political will which that is the rub right there, to achieve a sovereign debt-free money system for the benefit of not just the U.S., but for the benefit of the global community.
0: Okay, so where we're coming from, I think, most of us feel viscerally that there is something wrong with our current system. It's a game people are playing designed by those who are profiting from the game. You know, it's they're designed to enrich a very small portion of our society. And most people are kind of fall victim of the gamesmanship. We saw that in the economic crash of 2008 and those people that caused the problem were never really punished. So we're all saying okay that system feels to me on some level unfair and out of control. So what are some other alternatives that people are beginning to turn to?
1: Well let me say that we have a history. We do have history to base some of this change on because we um, it, Kemp Robertson is somebody who's who's written widely around this issue and, and uh, this person says that currency is in a sense an expression, expression of the brand value of a government. So why shouldn't it also be a commercial brand? And so in the past there have been these kinds of things. Uh, during the U.S. Civil War, 1,600 different corporations and they were mainly private banks uh, issued paper banknotes, and the government only issued coins, a mere 4% of American currency. And mm-hmm. this upended the system. So S and H green stamps when we were kids. Yeah, I remember these those. Stamps. They were great. Yeah. And then there was a catalog and you could redeem stuff in the catalog and you would hope like crazy that your mom would, you know, like notice that you put a check mark next to this one fun toy or or something that's know, my mom good. always
0: collected plaid stamps.
1: Oh yes, I forgot yeah, about those. Those
0: were those were even cooler. They were bigger than those little tiny S and H green stamps.
1: So so the the other term that you see common in this uh, in this discussion of these kinds of things online anyway is something called complementary currency and um, it's not really a national currency Um, it's more something that is created mostly locally Mm -hmm. so complementary currency what do you think that means jay
0: complementary currency is when you give someone money they say my you're good looking so <laughs> I'd pay people just to say that you no, would? well I know what 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 you were talking about is is like localized currencies that are tied to the US dollar so they're complementary for instance there's the Berkshire uh, currency that they have what do they call those Berkshire bucks or something like that and uh, then there's a money system in Philadelphia. Uh, that they have. And and so there are other local currencies, but they're ultimately tied back to – they're set pegged against the U.S. dollar. Um, so, So they're really a way of spreading local economic activity. Well, because. the way
1: the Berkshire one works is that um, they have what they call Berksh- Berkshire shares, mm. and so I like
0: Berkshire B- bucks better. <laughs> Berkshire
1: More than four hundred Berkshire <laughs> businesses accept the currency, and thirteen banks serve as an ex- as exchange stations for it. And it says the currency distinguishes the local businesses that accept the currency from those that do not, building stronger relationships and greater affinity between right. the businesses Right. So what community. you're saying
0: is that this economic activity must now be local because no one else is going to accept that. It's no, only right. that local. It's only
1: those certain but, – but we have a lot of examples. Of, and just to do a few more of, in terms of bigger right. businesses. Before you do that, okay. I am
0: going to give us a station identification.
1: Okay, you go uh. first. Uh,
0: yeah, free of charge. Uh, you are listening to When the Biomass Hits the Wind Turbine with Jay and Annie Warmke, reminding you once again, it is indeed the end of the world as we know it.
1: And thank God. Thank God.
0: Okay, so you were just talking about some local examples of complementary currencies.
1: Um, right. So in Philadelphia, they have something called Equal Dollars. And they're trying this out as a local currency. So when you sign up to participate, you receive 50 equal dollars. But then to earn more, you have to offer your own possessions in an online marketplace, volunteer, or refer friends. Mm -hmm. So that would be an example. Um, I know
0: there are those – timeshares, things like that. Were you well, saying, time okay. Bank,
1: the, time, no, time bank, timeshare time bank. So so that's something that's been um, uh, utilized quite broadly in major cities where you sign up and you have skill sets. So you're a plumber, a counselor, a uh, babysitter, house watch, farm sitter, whatever. And then you, I don't, rem, I, they're, all of them are a little bit different. It's not a a universal thing and how they're run. But so let's say uh, then you have certain skill sets, and they don't really, the ones in this area, they don't really uh, put a dollar value or say that plumbing is more valuable than house sitting or whatever. So I need a house sitter, so I go to the timeshare bank, and um, I have to contribute so many hours in my, uh, what I'm sharing, in order to have the right to access the, the uh, house share.
0: But it seems to me these complementary systems have the same issues as, like, your dollar bills. You have to believe somebody's going to accept it. Otherwise, it falls apart. So, everything is really based on faith, based on how comfortable you are that ultimately you're going to get value for this piece of paper or concept or hour or whatever you want to call it. It's all, everything is based on faith
1: well I, I think there, yeah, I think there's some t- truth to that, but I also think there's things like reciprocity. the human brain um, has this deal whereas you give me something and if I'm not a sociopath, I think I have to give something in return. Mm-hmm. And not the corporations are they're on the sociopath side for the most <laughs> part, but um, human beings as a as a their nature tends to be. Uh, able to honor that reciprocity. So another example would be Starbucks Stars. I'm not a fan of Starbucks, um, but they have, so you go there and you've got a card, and this is true for yeah. all kinds of businesses. Yeah, frequent you have, flyer, all these right. little, little brand loyalty, loyalty. loyalty mm-hmm. programs. Right. So Amazon Coins. So mm-hmm. you can earn Amazon coins, and they can be exchanged for Kindle Fire apps, games, and in-app items. So things that are not even tangible, they're just, it's like you said, it's kind of out there floating around. So some of
0: these, so I guess what I'm getting from what you're saying there, is like money, like dollars, it can be good, can be bad. You know, I mean, I'm not, okay, you've got Starbucks credits or whatever, okay, that's all fine. Um, but but maybe a local community thing brings a certain I don't know intangible community spirit to this that these other corporate and governmental exchange programs simply can't can't match there's a there's a I don't know a pleasantness about it that you're all working towards the same common goal.
1: Yeah, I mean that we talked about that in an earlier program about volunteering and different things you could earn by. Volunteering, and you know there are good people in the world. I think um, most people are sort of who uh, hedonistic in that they it's all about them, and so they want to know what's in it for me. And I think it's important to remember that when you're thinking about this. But lots of us aren't that way. So, but this is an interesting one. Tide detergent. I like to so so the tide detergent had this barter system. Um, it says it's about as far from government-backed as you could get. So in 2011, it was discovered that across the US, thieves had been stealing 150-ounce bottles of Tide detergent to trade for $5 cash or $10 worth of weed or crack cocaine. An article in the New York Magazine from earlier that year details this fascinating story and what it says about the Tide super successful branding.
0: Okay, so how many, how many bottles of Tide how many do- bottles
1: of Tide does it take to get could, enough weed or crack that you could go into business? <laughs> well, it
0: does point out though that that dollars or or financial instruments like dollars are very convenient because carrying around you know seventy five cases of Tide detergent is not an effective. Way I don't think you're carrying it around. Guitar. I really don't think <laughs> so, you're carrying it around. But uh-huh. so
1: let's talk about advantages. What are the advantages to alternative systems to? paper money. Um,
0: Well, we've already brought up one is that you can then direct some of the economic activity to places, localities that you want them to take place.
1: Well, that may be. But one of the things it says that alternative currencies devalue rapidly, and this increases the monetary circulation. So the more it devalues, then the more you have to have.
0: Uh, I wouldn't make that an advantage. Basically, you're saying if I pay you in this, it's going to be worth less later, so you better spend it.
1: Yes, that's right. So it encourages them (laughs) to spend. That's hyperinflation. Well, that's what they say. Uh And they also say one of the benefits is that it can't be spent anywhere else. So you have to be loyal to that brand, that business. Just as I was saying and it just keeps circulating locally in the local economy
0: mm-hmm. and that strikes me as many of these that's its sole point that's its primary point is let's let's patronize local vendors instead of sending your your cash off to some corporate headquarter you so know way off in the hinterlands
1: the the advantages that i see i don't see it so much as currency but i do see advantages to exchanging Goods that I have that you need for something that you have, right. I do see that. And as that's an that's a
0: matter of creating community. You know, now you're beginning to to actually behave like human beings.
1: Well, in some ways, uh, this is a, the process we use during our Thanks for Nothing season from December through March. Is if we if we absolutely have to have something, then we basically can't buy it. In terms of our general everyday life, and so we need to ask somebody to trade something for it. Mm-hmm. So we need we need a camera stand, a camera. What you call that? Tripod. And so we ask, and like five people offered us tripods, and so we're exchanging tour tickets to our farm for a tripod.
0: I think it's important to point out that when you're talking about alternative currencies and barter, as you're talking about, our government has a hard time dealing with that because it's not easily measured, like GDP points out, and not easily taxed. And, and the tax code does say that if I say I'm going to babysit for you if you fix my leaky faucet, then both of us are supposed to declare that as income and pay taxes on it, which from a practical standpoint, ain't going to happen. You know, I mean, most people when they – I mean, first, they would never even think of it other than I'm going to do you a favor, you do me a favor. Why on earth does that create a situation where we pay taxes? So these alternative currencies, like if you get a free cup of coffee at Starbucks, I would venture to say very few people will declare that on their income tax.
1: Well, I think the other side of that is that the government – doesn't really understand how all that works. And we don't exactly understand because we aren't practiced at how we can do these alternative things. An example would be, I don't understand Bitcoin. I don't even understand why anybody it's right up there with the you know paper money, and it doesn't really exist. It's not really n- there's nothing tangible, and yet I keep getting these things in my email saying if I don't pay them in bitcoins, they're going to turn the porn flick over to you. <laughs> so I'm thinking, hey, you should. I like to see it myself.
0: Well, and bitcoin is probably the most widely known alternative currency, and and I think it's fine. It's kind of interesting because even the founder, the so-called founder. Of Bitcoin, uh, a fellow named uh, Satoshi Nakamoto, um, apparently doesn't exist as a real person. There's a <laughs> I lot was just going to
1: say suspect already. I know,
0: but there's a lot of debate over who is this person. and And I think that's part of the mythology around it. If it was a person, you could look at that person and say, well, I don't trust you. But if it's a vague entity that it's almost supernatural... It's
1: like God well, up in the sky. Well, now, yeah,
0: if if God was your next-door neighbor, you probably wouldn't pray to him. But but it's this kind <laughs> oh, of... Oh, no, we're
1: in trouble <laughs> now. You're going to get us kicked off. Right. Oh, wow, I'm scared But there to has you. to
0: be a certain amount of, I don't know, awe or, or, or belief. I mean, it is a belief. And, and I think the difference between Bitcoin and dollar bills, other than some people in the underground economy are using Bitcoin coin to avoid paying taxes, but it's essentially people putting their faith in technology versus putting their faith in a government. So Bitcoin is or manufactured. In people, even. Yeah, but Bit- Bitcoin is very technologically oh, yeah. based.
1: Well, there, it wouldn't exist without it.
0: Well, it requires that you do these mathematical computations, and it says there's a 1 in 13 trillion uh, possibilities of, of basically mining a Bitcoin. So they've got these computers, and they're hoping that they break the algorithm. And once they break the algorithm, they're given so many Bitcoin, and then all these computers but keep track. But who's
1: giving the Bitcoin? Well, that's the thing.
0: It all—it
1: doesn't make any sense. I know,
0: but it all is based on a faith in technology, and if that technology proves to be unworthy of that faith, the value of bitcoins will go to nothing very quickly.
1: But this is where we are as a government today. Well, that's it's all going to—it could fall apart while we're sitting here talking on the radio because it's based on nothing.
0: Right. Well, the only thing that keeps the U.S. dollar as having any value is people believe that the government will back the US dollar. I mean that's, it is all, all of these economies are based on faith. And it just depends on who you want to put your faith in. Do you want to put your faith in the U.S. government? Do you want to put it in technology for Bitcoin? Do you want to put it in your local community? I want to local... put it in
1: you because I trust you, and I know you would never do anything to hurt me.
0: All right. Well, I will begin issuing my own currency.
1: Oh, that's it you will, already do. It will
0: look very much like <laughs> dirty socks, and, uh, and and those can be exchanged for grilled cheese sandwiches. So, uh,
1: <laughs> I don't even eat grilled cheese. That, that is is a, won't work.
0: That is a local economy. Well, then, you know, sorry, it just went into hyperinflation.
1: I I just think, I do think that, as I said earlier, most people are very hedonistic. And I think that we have to work harder at working together. And Mm -hmm. maybe some of that is we do still have to depend on the government for different kinds of things like money. Um, But there's an awful lot of things that we could do with each other, that doesn't depend on that. That we can care for each other and move away from it. Only everything do that we do in life is based on how much money we have or don't have, but move more towards what is really valuable. And that is how much happiness do we have? How much? Uh, how many beautiful trees do we have in our in our neighborhood? How healthy are our kids? How well are our parents doing in their old age? Uh, is the census in the hospital way down because everybody is feeling so good? Um, instead of how many suicides, how many rapes, you know, all these things that we measure life by, I think we have to find ways as as communities. Um, like, for example, the Blue Rock Station community is a, there's a lot of people in that community now.
0: Well, I think we're agreeing that we're probably not going to come up with an alternative to our current monetary system. But there are a lot of non-monetary ways that we can supplement our existence, taking the focus away from cash.
1: Yeah, and I think we have to do that. I mean, I, we talk about that. We have to move away from, oh, the president is the most important thing, to local. It's all always coming back to local. And yet we don't have these kind of conversations. People are afraid of this. They're afraid to think about that I might need to depend on somebody else. I've got to have my own lawnmower, my own whatever.
0: hmm Okay, well, with that in mind, you are listening to When the Biomass Hits the Wind Turbine with Jay and Annie Warmke. We want to thank our Emmy-winning producer, Adam Rich, and we want to thank you for spending not your money, but your time with us. And as your grandmother probably told you the secret to a happy and sustainable life is
1: Play nice with others clean up your own mess and eat your vegetables Jay right.
0: till next time sing, and her children will be